Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, take out those sermon notes. We are in part two of a series we are calling The Unfair Advantage. And we are looking at the unfair things that we go through in life and how, by God's grace, they can be used as an advantage to bring us to the potential and the destiny that God has for you. And when you look back over your life, you're gonna see how all of those difficult, hard seasons were necessary to bring about the purpose of God for your life. This whole idea was given to me a few years ago and I was so excited about it, preached about it, ended up writing a book about it and the book came out nationwide last week and you guys were so amazing in supporting it helping with it. And if you haven't got a copy yet, make sure you get a copy. It's on Amazon. It's at uh, different sites. I heard this week it was at Cracker Barrel. Come on, somebody. You know, you know the books made it when you can find it at Cracker Barrel. Come on, somebody. So um, I'm excited about it, how it's helping people. In the book, I give seven unfair um, advantages that you might even not know you have. Um, And so I break down all seven of them that we see in the life of Joseph. But in this message today, I'm gonna give you one of those unfair advantages and I'm gonna do a different spin on it than even what I did in the book. And I think it's gonna help you and God's gonna do some deep healing in your heart from it. Because this is an advantage that if you'll learn to recognize it, it'll take you further than you've ever thought in your life. But it's something that nobody ever asked for. It's definitely something that you don't ever pray for. It's definitely something that you're not sitting there going, let me look for my next one in life. And the issue that I'm gonna talk about for a little bit today is rejection. Rejection. Nobody likes rejection. Nobody likes when it comes to rejection in life, when it comes to rejection in a relationship. And rejection happens to all of us. So what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna show you how as believers we can leverage rejection for the advantage that God has for our life. If you're taking notes and we are note takers, I want you to write it down. I titled today's message, A Biblical Response to rejection, a biblical response to rejection. I've seen people go through the exact same season of rejection, whether it's the, the you lose the job, the spouse walks out on you, the child starts stops talking to you, and I've seen two different groups of people walk through the exact same rejection. One of it walks through and has a response that's biblical. One of them responds with a lot of their flesh, and you know what I'm talking about in those seasons. And the outcome is the biblical one is moved towards their purpose, and those who are dealing with it in their fleshly manner end up moving away from God and away from the purpose that God has for your life. One comes out of it bitter, better, one comes out of it bitter. What are you gonna do with rejection when it happens in your life? Because we've all dealt with it, we've all experienced it. I remember my first time dealing with rejection was in fifth grade. I was living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, going to a small Christian school. There was this girl in class that I had a crush on. And I was all excited about it because Valentine's Day was coming up and this was my chance. I was ready for it. So I told my dad, I said, dad, there's a girl I like. And he's like, oh, well, we got to go and get her. A, we got to get her a little gift. I said, well, what kind of gift do you get her? He's like, oh, you should get her a little necklace. And so we went to your local Kmart. Come on. Someone didn't even know anything about no Kmart. Before there was Walmart, there was 
Kmart somebody. And uh, Kmart had a jewelry counter and I, I was all excited. I went there and I remember my dad helped me pick it out. And, 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 and the one I found, it had a little heart and I was all excited, it said love on it. And uh, like I knew what love was at fifth grade. And, and so, and I did, I remember it was $17. Now $17 might not be a big deal for you. That was, for a fifth grader, 17 bucks is a lot of money. And so I remember getting that, spending my $17 that I had raised and, and um, I bought it for her. And then Valentine's was that next Monday. I was all excited about it. So I remember sitting down at the lunch table with her and I looked right across the, the table and I said, hey, I just want you to know I got you a gift for Valentine's Day. She's like, oh, that's so nice. You didn't have to do that. I said, no, I had to do it. And so I slide her the little gift. It has love on it. She's like, oh, this is so pretty. She's like, why are you doing this? So I said, well, I wanted you to be my Valentine. And she's like, well, no. My poor little heart was sitting there, was so crushed. I said, why? She said, well, earlier in the day, someone else already asked me to be on Valentine, so I'm his Valentine. I was like, well, can't you be both of our Valentines? Like, I bought you the necklace. And I remembered like being crushed in my heart during that time. It was the first time I ever dealt with rejection. And I was so excited because this was just a month or two later, my parents sat us down and said, hey, I just want you to know we're moving away from Baton Rouge and we're moving to, to Pensacola. And I was so excited just to get away from that mean girl. <laughs> mean mean girl rejection hurts we have all dealt with it in different seasons of our life and in our story today joseph shows us a biblical response to rejection i opened up last week with kind of a thirty thousand foot view of joseph's life and showed you kind of how god had a plan for him started with a dream ended with him being second in command over all of Pharaoh's, all of Egypt, underneath Pharaoh, he would now be able to save all of God's people. But from that dream to the actual destiny was years and years and years of pain and hardship. And I want to show you some of that pain when it comes to rejection. If you have your Bibles, let me just start it off in Genesis chapter 37. It's an amazing story. And we're going to pick up in verse 5. Joseph, at 17 years old, had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, here was the response, they hated him all the more. The response from his brothers was not celebration. It was not, we got your back. We believe in you. It was hatred. And if you've ever dealt with rejection, it's really, really hard because rejection from people that are far away from you doesn't really matter. But the rejection that hurts the most are those that are close to you. It's the family. It's the, it's, it's the friendships that you said, they said they'd be with you forever and they're not. Rejection happens to all of us. Look what happens from the rejection. And it says it like this in the next, uh, go down to verse uh, 17. It says, so Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But when they saw him at a distance before they reached them, they plotted to kill him. This wasn't, hey, I'm gonna write a bad status about him on social media. We don't like him. No, no, we're gonna kill this guy. We're gonna kill him. And then look what the response is. Here comes the dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's, kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They were, they were so anti this guy that they were gonna make sure they proved it that they wouldn't be, he wouldn't be someone great. They were, gonna, he was gonna, they were gonna prove it that there's no way what he saw could happen in his life. Let's go on and look what has happened. So, so Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and they threw him in the cistern and the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. Isn't it interesting that the response is that this is an empty cistern? I thought about that, I go, if you've ever been through a season of deep rejection, 
Whether it's rejection in your job and you didn't get the promotion or you know, rejection from the landlord. He told you he would give you grace and you got an eviction notice. And maybe it was even a rejection from God where you were praying and praying and believing for a miracle and it didn't happen. That season is very, very empty. And some of y'all are in it right now. And in this moment, they have has a moment where it's an emptiness. Actually, stats said it this way. I looked at the stat that an average person will deal with seven major rejections in their lifetime. Seven. That's seven massive rejections that'll be life-defining in their life. Um, so by the way, just so you can have a little bit of compassion for your pastors, the average pastor deals with seven in a year. Just want you to know what kind of world we live in today. It's hard. It's difficult. So what do you do when you find yourself in that empty season? Well, for him, it went from bad to worse. Verse 28, so when the Midianites merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern. He thought, thought, oh man, I'm gonna get free. My brothers are gonna apologize. That's not what they did. They sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Joseph is in experience in a moment of a massive rejection. But here's the encouragement I wanna get to you today is that rejection happens to the best of us but it doesn't have to get the best of us. You can live in a world where that rejection does not have to take over your heart and your emotions and your attitude. Even though it happens to the best of us, it doesn't have to get the best of us. And I wanna show you God's proper response and our biblical response when you're rejected. Because you're either one of three categories. You just got out of a rejection and you got a little bit of time before your next one comes. You're in the middle of a rejection right now, or you've had a great season and you go, nothing's going wrong, and you're about to walk into a rejection. So that's not very encouraging, but let me just encourage you, it's gonna happen. So here's what we gotta do. We gotta figure out how do we respond, and Joseph gives us a biblical response to rejection when people hurt you and people let you down. Let's see it. So now we fast forward a couple chapters. We're in Genesis chapter 39. We're picking up in verse one, and now he has been sold into slavery. He arrives in Egypt, and look what happens. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now, if I was Joseph, my attitude would go from bad to worse. So not only was I sold off by my brothers, but now I'm bought into slavery And now I have to work for free for this guy named Potiphar. Who does Potiphar think he is that he can control my life? But Joseph's response was different. Look what the next verse is. This is the game changer. Ready? The Lord was with Joseph. So he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. All right, pause there for a second. What do we do when people reject us? Here's the first one. Ready? We respond to rejection by recognizing God's presence. You've got to recognize God's presence. What did Joseph do? In the middle of his pain, he recognized a truth that you have to get. It's that even though people have left me, God has not left me. Even though people have hurt me, God has not hurt me. Even though people have abandoned me, God has not abandoned me. Church, let me encourage you today. God is with you. His presence is with you. Even when all things are going wrong. Can we give him a little bit of praise? That's the God that we serve. 
Joseph recognized it. He said, the Lord is with me, even though nobody else was. When Joshua, who is another leader in God's of God's people, took the reins from Moses. Y'all know Moses, the great deliverer. And Joshua takes over. Talk about big shoes to fill. And the Lord speaks to Joshua, gives him this encouragement in Joshua 1.5. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And then he says this phrase, and I think it's a beautiful phrase. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He goes, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the promise of our God, that our God is not some distant being in some far off place that is hard to get to. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And even when Jesus went up into heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father, he says, I'm gonna give you my presence. Just so you know, you are never alone. You are never forsaken. You are never by yourself. And even when you think you're alone, God's in the midst of your issues right now. Is that good news for you today? We recognize God's presence. Actually, when you're really hurt and you're really broken, the Bible actually says he's even closer to you during those seasons. The Lord, the Bible says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's some people today. The righteous person may have many troubles. And I love that phrase right now there because it's, it's, it's almost like a promise. Hey, I just want you to know, you're gonna have like a lot of problems. Like a lot of problems. And you're like, Aaron, be more positive. I am positive you're gonna have a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot of them. And look what he says, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Let me tell you, your parents messed up, they walked out, your friends walked out, your, your boss didn't treat you right, that person didn't treat you right, but I'm telling you, God's with you, he's on your side, and he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you, his presence is with you. And one day, and I want you to see this, one day, somewhere in the future, where you get victory in your life, and everybody starts envying your success, you're gonna have a moment <laughs> where they look at you and they go, how did you get through that? How did you get through that pain? How did you get through that hardship? How did you get through that divorce? And you're gonna have a moment to bring the attention to you or to put it on who really brought you through it. Where you can go, well, I did it. I picked my bootstraps up and I got myself going. Or you can say, in the middle of all of it, God was with me. When it was painful, God was next to me. When I thought everybody was gone, God's presence was next to me during that time. We recognize God's presence. Let me just say it this way. When people reject me, I remember that God has accepted me. And that's what matters most. So I worked hard on this message, but I really don't care if you like it. I hope you do. But I'm telling you, I'm not living for your acceptance. I'm living for his. I'm, I'm, I'm done with the people pleasing business. I'm pleasing God with my life. And as long as I keep pleasing God with my life, everything else is just doesn't matter nearly as much. Because I don't know if you realize, if you're gonna put all of your emotional energy into how other people are gonna treat you, you're gonna go crazy. Because people are crazy. Anybody sit next to one? No, no, don't, don't raise your hand. I wrote, I wrote it down this way. People are mean, but God's good. I have to remind myself all the time. I get a crazy email, like, people are mean. God is good. People are mean. God is good. And you just got to remind yourself, God is good. God is good. He's with me. 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 So look what happened. Let's keep going. Oh, man. 
All right, let's keep going. It says it like this, verse three. So when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Wait, 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 wait. He gave him what? Success. You mean he wasn't sulking? He wasn't angry? He wasn't bitter? He wasn't talking about, well, you need to know what my brothers did to me? No, he walked in success in this next season. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant and Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted him to his care everything he owned. Joseph made a decision that was so crucial in the midst of being rejected. Here's the second one, ready? How do we respond to rejection? Our second biblical response is we respond to rejection by moving forward. Like, like I'm not gonna get stuck in what was, I'm gonna move forward. And here's the problem. The problem is so many people are stuck in their past, they'll never be able to walk into their future. And if you're stuck in your past and you're stuck with what hurts you and you're stuck with who that person is and what they did to you, you'll never walk into what God has for you next. And Joseph made a decision, no, despite what happened in my past, I'm gonna be successful in this next season in my life. I didn't ask for this next season, but I'm gonna thrive in it. I didn't sign up for it, but I'm gonna win in it because that's what we do as Christians. We make up our mind we're gonna do what God wants us to do in this, this season, even if we didn't ask for this season in our life. Let me just say it this way. Don't let the bad of a past season create bitterness in your current season. There's some people that are walking around and you've got so much bitterness and so much hurt, you're missing out on what God wants to do next because you're stuck on what happened last. You're trying to move forward but you're looking backwards the whole time. And you wonder why you keep crashing and crashing and crashing. Cause you need to get, you, it's time. And I'm just gonna say this with all love. It's time for you to get healthy and move on from that hurt in your past. I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm not saying it wasn't terrible. I'm not saying that person, what they did to you was okay. I'm just saying it's not okay for you to stay where you're at. It's time, that's why we believe in community. Cause we believe real community, real healing happens in the community of the body of believers. So you can't do this thing alone. You can't isolate yourself. If ever you need the community of believers, it's right now. That's why James says it this way. We confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We need you healed. We need you sitting there walking in wholeness. And he says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's why every Sunday, by the way, at the end of our services, we have a prayer team down front at every one of our campuses. Why? Because we know there's stuff in your life that'll only bring healing when you get with another believer, start confessing it, and watch how together God will bring healing in your life. And you've got to get over this stuff because God wants you to move forward. I wrote it down this way. I wrote it down this way. Ready? Ready? If you don't deal with the trauma from your past, your friends family and your children will have to deal with it in the future. That's your Selah moment right there. And some of y'all, God wants to move you forward to what he has next. You gotta get some healing. You gotta get some tenacity to say, I am moving on to what God has for me. Moving on. I um, spent a lot of time, I had a sabbatical this summer, so I spent a lot of time um, downtime. And so I did it with, did what everybody does during downtime is I watched Netflix a lot. 
because I'm human, ladies and gentlemen. And so I would get into a show and come on, everybody needs a good binge, Netflix binge once in a while. And so I get in a show and get all captivated. You know, these shows are like 28 minutes or, or 45 minutes, you know, they're like this. And then, and then you're, you're like into it, like really, really into it. And I was, re I was really, really into a show this summer and I was there. And I remember that one of the episodes was just about to end, but as it's about to end, like the main character is pretty much dead. The, the person that the main character is like co-working with during the whole show, they're dead. The plot seems like it's over and the bad guy like basically won. And I remember, and the episode ended right there and I go, it can't end. It can't end. There's no way it's over. There's no way this is the end. And then this thing popped up. It's beautiful. This thing popped up. <laughs> oh, I'm so thankful for this sign. This thing come up. Now this thing is only about five seconds. Now you might not know it's five seconds because you don't even wait the five seconds. Like it'll automatically start the next season and the next episode if you'll just let it play through, but you don't even let it play through. You're just racing over with your cursor going, okay, I gotta get to there. I gotta get to there. I gotta get to the next episode because I have to know the story's not over. There's gotta be victory. There's gotta be a breakthrough. There's gotta be something next. I gotta get next episode. And then I started to think, there's two buttons. I've never seen this other button. I don't know about you. I've never seen the other button. Not only have I never seen the other button, I've definitely never pressed the other button. The other button, I, so the other day I'm watching a show and I'm sitting about thinking about this message and I'm going, I wonder what happens. What happens? And what happens is when you push this button, it extends the episode with all the credits of all the people in the show. And I sat there and go, who in their right mind would watch this? And then I started thinking, nobody in their right mind would push this on Netflix. But in your life, that's all you've been pushing. You won't go next because all you're doing is rehashing who hurt you past. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. It's every time you're in a conversation, you're going, let me tell you how he walked out on me. Let me tell you how that boss took advantage of me. I meet you in the lobby. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's, well, I don't know about this place because the last church hurt me. And you're so stuck in the last episode and the Lord gave me a word today. It's time for you to click next episode, move forward to what God has for your life. Don't get stuck in the past, move forward to what he has in the future. Come on at every campus, can we give him some praise that we can move forward to what he has for us next? Come on somebody. Number three, y'all still with me? Say yes. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now, if you're looking at this, you're going, why did he go to prison? Well, you'll learn about that next Sunday because next Sunday, the message gets spicy. You're gonna like it. It's gonna be great. And he gets thrown into prison, prisoner, uh, where the prisoners are confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. Who was with him? The Lord. Again, he goes, it goes from bad to worse, but God is with him in the midst of all of it. So, so now, why is this important? We understand it's important because for him to get to the palace, he had to go through the prison. The prison set him up for the palace. Now, if Joseph was writing this story, do you really think he would write the story from dream to destiny? Bring me through a ditch and a terrible season and a difficult season. No, he wouldn't have wrote it, but that's how God writes our stories because he knows the prison is necessary for you to reach your potential in life. So here's number three, ready? How do we respond to rejection? We respond to rejection by trusting God's 
redirection. That many times in life, he uses rejection of one thing to set you up and redirect you to something better in life that you couldn't even imagine would be better. But he had to bring you through a prison to get there. And I'm gonna encourage you today, embrace the prison seasons that God's got us in. Because if he brought you in that season, he's getting you ready for something better along the way. And I look at that, you know, that, that, that girl from fifth grade, and I don't, I, don't even, I don't know who she is. I don't see her stuff on social media anymore. But, um, but I'm like, you know what? Thank God for the rejection. Come on, somebody. I got the better end of the deal, somebody. Tomorrow will be our 13-year anniversary, Katie and I. 13 years, five kids. I, I'm telling you, I, all the time, I'm like, thank God for the rejection. Because it was the rejection that brought me to what God has for me next. Let me just say it this way. Ready? As a Christian, and this is an unfair advantage we have that the world does not have. That as a Christian, even our setbacks are set up for what God wants to do in our lives. So you've got to embrace that. So you just took the job and you got fired from the job. You go, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't right now, but it's actually a setup for what God has for you next. You, you, you gave that person your heart and they broke it. It doesn't make sense right now, but God's setting you up for something next. You've got to embrace that our life is led by the spirit of God. And even in the prison, it has a purpose to the destiny that God has for your life. So I looked at it in my life and I wanted to give you a little snapshot. I'm almost done, but I want you to get this. So I got saved at 16 years old, got on fire for Jesus, called into ministry, started my first little Bible study at my little Christian school that I was at. And I was set up, I had the dream in my life like, this is what God wanted me to do. And I'm going to change the world, and I'm going to travel over the world and tell people about Jesus. I was all excited. And then a year later, right after I got saved, 17 years old, I get expelled from my Christian school, kicked out one month before my 11th grade year ends. And I was, I was just voted as a senior class president. I was leading a Bible study, changing people's lives, and I get expelled from the school. And I went from the high of life to absolutely a season of major depression. 17 years old, depressed, going, I must have heard God wrong. I don't understand this. And I went to the local uh, public school for about a month before the school semester ended, and I hated it so much. I said, told my parents, I said, I can't go back to that school. I said, let me just do dual enrollment. Let me go online, do some classes at the junior college. Let me finish it up, and I'll just jump into my youth group and serve there as I, as I can. And I was so discouraged, and I was so alone. But I took that last year, my senior year in high school, and I did dual enrollment. So I graduated at 18 years old with one year of college completed. Again, I would have never done that if I didn't first get expelled from school. So I graduated and then I went to Southeastern and I graduated Southeastern in three years instead of four years. Why? Because I had a year of school done. And on the day of my graduation, a man walks up to me and he offers me a job as a missionary in Sri Lanka, full time, paid all my expenses. Everything is right after the big tsunami happened. And so I remember getting on that plane going, God, I could have never got on this plane if I didn't graduate in three years instead of four years. And I could have never graduated three years in front of four years if I didn't get expelled. Y'all still with me? And then I go to Sri Lanka. I served there for about a year. And then all of our funding dries up. The tsunami kind of stuff dried up all the funding. And so we ended up having to shut down the project and I'm let go. And I'm let go and I'm going, but I feel like God's called me. So I go back to my parents and they're like, well, why don't you start like a business to help fund 
the missions work. And I was like, well, I've never done that, but my family, we're big entrepreneurs. We like that kind of stuff. So I said, let's do it. So we started a thrift store. So I'm like, what, 20 something year, 23 years old. I started a little thrift store in Pensacola. I get this major God opportunity. We start this store. It starts making all this money. And while I'm doing that, they offer me the job as a youth pastor at my church I was attending. So I'm doing the youth pastor job. I'm running this thrift store. Life is all crazy. And then this thrift store starts doing really, 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 really bad. So we ended up going, we don't know what we're gonna do. And I, Katie and I were already thinking about moving and starting a church and doing something else. And we're going, what are we gonna do? We need to sell this thing. It's a disaster. Again, more rejection, more problems. So finally this, this organization talked to me and they go, hey, we'll help you, but you gotta start a nonprofit. You gotta have an organization to give, you, to give the money to because we'll pay you. We just can't pay you immediately. We'll pay you over, the, over a year and we'll do this. And so I sell the thrift store at 28 years old, I resigned my job and the money from the thrift store now goes into a bank account that we have to use for a nonprofit. And that is what at 29 years old, I started Radiant Church with. So Radiant Church starts because the thrift store fails. The thrift store started because of the ministry in Sri Lanka was failing and I needed money for that. Sri Lanka started because I got expelled when I was 17 years old. My life has been all directed by rejection, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you, the only reason I'm on this stage right now is because I'm just a giant reject. <laughs> and God keeps moving my life and, sh and shaping. And, and, and then, then we get to a place where we, every closed door in our church, and we outgrow the building, and then we outgrow the thing. We go, what do we have next? God, what do you have next? And God opens another door. We would have never had the multi-site, the different locations if we didn't have the problems that we have in our South Tampa facility. It's like every problem was God's way of saying, I'm gonna bring you to your purpose. As a follower of Jesus, ready, write it down. Even my haters help make my purpose happen. <laughs> Somebody's getting encouraged today. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't know about you, I got a lot of haters, but praise God that they've been involved in my life. I, I can't wait. One day I need to meet that principal that expelled me. I can't wait to meet him. I don't know where he's at, but I can't wait to meet him and just say, give him a big hug and say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it was necessary. I'll just say this. I'm almost done, I promise you. You're gonna look back one day and you're gonna look at the pain you went through in your life and you're gonna say this phrase, it had to happen. It had to happen for me to be all that God's called me to be. 2008 or 2009, I was able to preach a youth conference in New Zealand. So they fly me there to preach this conference. It was such a cool opportunity. And I start going around New Zealand and New Zealand's bizarre because of the, the sheep. There's sheep everywhere in New Zealand. It's awesome. It's a making beautiful island. But the sheep is not what caught my attention. What caught my attention is the birds. The birds of New Zealand are bizarre because they don't fly. The entire country has flightless birds. You don't believe me, Google it. New Zealand is known for its flightless birds. So I'm going all over this country and I'm going, why do these birds not fly? And the guy who was our guide at the time and the pastor that was hosting me said they don't fly because New Zealand is absolute paradise. New Zealand is one of the few places on earth that has zero predators. No snow snakes, no spiders, no alligators. Come on, sign me up. Come on, somebody. Like, just put me on a plane right now. I'm ready to go. And so he said, and over the centuries, because we've had no predators, the birds have gotten so comfortable at the ground that they don't ever have to fly anymore. Because there was nothing attacking them, they never got off the ground to see what their full potential was. 
one day you're gonna thank your haters for getting you off the ground to soar to the potential that God has for your life. Can we just take a second to just give God a little bit of praise for the fact that God uses even those people in our life, even the most difficult one. I'm gonna close it out with this. I know we're, we're over time, we're done, but let me close it out with this. Because here's the fourth thing that we respond, and we're gonna see it at the end of his life, Genesis chapter 50, when Joseph saw, when Joseph's brother saw their father was dead. So they go, now they have to go to Joseph to get food in the middle of the famine. Their father had died, and they go, there's no way Joseph's not gonna kill us. He's in a place where he could have killed them. And look at it says, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the things, wrong things we did to him? Look at verse 18. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We're your slaves, they said. But Joseph said, I'm gonna get you right now. That's what I would have done. Joseph didn't do that. Joseph said, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid, I will provide for you and your children. Here's your fourth response to rejection in your life. It's we respond to rejection by choosing forgiveness instead of a fight. You're gonna have to make a choice. Are you gonna walk around trying to get even with everybody? I'm gonna get back to them. Or am I gonna choose to just let it go and let God avenge me on his time? And this is our decision as believers to say, you know what? We're gonna walk in forgiveness. We're gonna make sure we get that bitterness and resentment and stuff out of our heart because no matter how many people have hurt me, God uses it for the good, so we're not gonna hold it against them. Peter asked Jesus one time, how many times should we forgive other people in Jesus? And Peter says seven times. And I would think seven times is a lot. Like someone hurts you seven times, that's a lot. And Jesus says, no, here's, here's the deal. You forgive them up to 70 times seven. That's 490 times, by the way. So Radiant Church, here's your permission. You can hold bitterness against somebody that's hurt you 491 times. But if it's 480 or below, you gotta forgive them. Because it's not about them, it's about you. It's about your calling, it's about your potential. Because forgiveness isn't about letting someone off the hook. That's where we get it wrong. It's actually about removing the hook of bitterness from your own heart. And I felt the Lord tell me to preach this message because there's somebody and you're so bitter and you're so hurt because of the rejection. I get it, I deal with it all the time, but you just gotta give it to the Lord. So across all of our campuses, why don't we do this? Why don't we stand up, nobody moving around. Let's have a moment for the Holy Spirit to heal some people. Are y'all okay with this? Let's have a moment. Let, let, let's, let's activate right now what we believe is true, which is God's presence is in the midst of this place. And if his presence is here, healing is available. So why don't you hold your hands out just like this and just ask the Lord, say, God, would you heal me? Would you heal me? And Jesus gave us the example of how we should forgive. While he's on the cross, he looks down at him and he says, Father, forgive them. Jesus did not wait for Resurrection Sunday to look back and say, okay, now that you know the purpose, forgive them. Jesus forgave them in the midst of his pain, in the midst of them torturing him. So you might feel like you're in the midst of it. Here's the word from God, let it go, release it. So Lord, with our hands extended, we say today, God, would you release the pain out of our heart, the bitterness out of our heart. Let us have a proper response to the rejection in the world today. Lord, we pray for the fact that your presence is with us. We pray that we can move forward in our life. We pray that God, you would redirect us and we pray that we would walk in forgiveness every 
day of our life. Come on, Radiant, extend those hands to heaven right now. And let's have a moment right now where we ask the Lord, heal our hearts. Do it in our lives. Let's sing it out to him. Come on. Come on, open up your heart to him right now. Let's have a moment where he heals us. Holy Spirit, heal our hearts. Today's the day that they let the offense go, they let the hurt go, and they move on to what you have for them next. We thank you that even rejection is our advantage when we belong to you. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're not here, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, we want you to know you can start one right now. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, was rejected by mankind, the very mankind that he came to save. And that rejection brought him to the cross to die for your sins and for mine. And that death was necessary for us to be forgiven and made whole. And now he didn't stay in that grave. He rose again three days later, overcoming death, hell and the grave so that we can walk victorious. But you gotta give him your life. You want your life to be led by him? You want him to see him use all those things for the good? You've gotta surrender control to him. And this is your day. This is what salvation is, being born again. I'm giving Jesus my life. That's you on the count of three. I want you to raise a hand up and say, Aaron, today's my day. I'm giving Jesus my life. And he'll save you right there in your seat. It's an act of faith, but it does something right there in that seat. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, throw that hand up all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, so many people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to all of our campuses. Just wave it at me, put it right back down. Why don't we all pray this prayer together and then our location pastors will come and take back over. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my heart. Forgive me. Give me a fresh start. Thank you for dying for me. I choose to live for you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate those who just made the best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.